you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Move the Sticks Monday here. I am Brett Lewis, and I am not alone. <laughs> Hello, friends. Our former NFL scouts are here. Lead draft analyst Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks. Guys, I think first time we've all been in the same room since senior bowl in mobile like january 2020 yeah i think that i think that's accurate uh i feel like we've been in a time machine here but it's yeah. nice to be back together it is nice to be back in person because we've done the virtual thing for a long time yeah. it's good to be back and i won't welcome routine. to the new digs here yeah, too nice. I, it was just me here last time so I'm, I'm happy to help you uh, welcome you to you know my <laughs> so. let's get this thing started you know we go through some of our favorite takeaways from the sunday that was here on these monday move the sticks that's what we do with our big three now on mondays and we're going to start with Sunday night. Lamar Jackson overcoming two first-half interceptions to lead the Baltimore Ravens to a win on Sunday night football. His first career win against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Had a late Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumble in field goal range for the Chiefs. And then a gutsy Ravens fourth-down conversion that sealed the 36-35 Baltimore win. It feel good to get that monk out five back. Um, it just feel good, you know. Um... Got to move on to Detroit now. You know, we ain't winning the Super Bowl yet. We, it's just one game. We just got to keep staying focused. Well, look, you'd love to see that from Lamar overcoming, you know, a rough start to the game. And those, you know, those picks, obviously one of them returned back for a touchdown from Tyron Matthew. And you're like, oh, boy, here we go with Lamar. But he was able to essentially put the team on his back. Bucky. Yeah, he did. Lamar Jackson is is unique, and it kind of reminds me of saying that one of my coaches used to say when I was little, big-time players make big-time plays in big games. And that's what Lamar Jackson was able to do. When the Bravens needed him to take his game up a notch, he was able to do so. And it's not always pretty whenever you're dealing with Lamar Jackson because sometimes the passing is a little erratic. But the one thing that we know he can do is he can run it like nobody's business. There you see over 300 yards of total offense, did a great job of getting to the end zone, three total touchdowns. And what he did is when they needed him to take his game up in the fourth quarter, he did so. And so if I am Eric DeCosta, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, I feel good about my franchise quarterback despite the injuries around him. They were winning with Lamar Jackson running the football, run first for sure in this game in the absence of this, some of their best runners. I thought, you know, his leadership was something that was kind of interesting and the bond that he has with John Harbaugh. I mean, you guys yeah. all saw it right on Sunday Night Football. Right at the end, they get the fumble, uh, recover the fumble from Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and then Harbaugh is like, once they get a third down to try to run the clock out, didn't get the first, he's like, right there. You want to go for it? Lamar, you want to go for it? He's like, well, I would have gone for it even if Lamar said no. But obviously <laughs> Lamar said yes. And Lamar here, his 16th run, most important for the Ravens, inside run, gets it done, big guys on. And there was no way he was letting anyone else touch the ball in that situation. And leadership is about trust. John Harbaugh trusts Lamar to get it done. Lamar trusting in the guys in front of him to give him a way to get through for a first down. I thought that was big. Here's Lamar on that fourth down conversion. You want to go for it? I'm like, hell yeah, again, I said it again. Um, like Seattle two years ago, and he told me a play, I'm like, oh, we should spread him out. And Coach Irv, James Irvin, my QB coach, he like, you gotta go. I'm like, man, I gotta get this first down, no matter what. I gotta jump, dive through a defender, 
and uh, Olan did a great job pushing those guys back. Got the first down for the victory. Well, DJ, one thing we know when you're playing the Chiefs, you're going to have to score some points because your defense is going to have a hard time containing Patrick Mahomes. Ravens were able to do that in this game. Yeah, I kind of look at this big picture with the AFC, and if you're going to come out of the AFC, you're going to have to go through the Kansas City Chiefs. And if you don't have an offense that can win this type of a game, you have no shot. I don't care how good you are mm -hmm. defensively, Buck. You're going to have to find yourself and find ways to get to that 30-point mark. I think that's what's encouraging about this Ravens team is, is they can play that type of game. They can get in different styles and different fights and be successful. Yeah, look, I thought it was really important that they prove to themselves that they can win a shootout. So much of the conversation about the Baltimore Ravens is they don't have enough firepower to be able to get it done. And when you're dealing with the Kansas City Chiefs who – are going to be there at the end. You're going to have to dispatch of them because they are a talented team and they can put so much pressure. The Baltimore Ravens needed to put points on the board so they feel good about if they play them again. And if we get into a shootout, we have enough weapons to be able to do it. I think we also saw the longest jump throw completion in NFL <laughs> history from Lamar well, Jackson. And the longest uh, hang time yes, for a jump yes, throw. Yes, that was good work. Lamar Jackson and Marquise Brown, big play in that Ravens win. Let's move on here to the game uh, just across the street over here at SoFi stadium and that was the game that you guys were at Cowboy or you were at DJ Cowboys and Chargers so here you go a couple of interceptions for Justin Herbert in this one one in the end zone he had two touchdowns called back due to penalties that fueled the Cowboys victory marked by Chargers mistakes positives for Dallas how about the emergence of a run game that was virtually non-existent week one Dallas gets the win 20 to 17. We talked about all week long, um, one to finish, one to finish each drive, one to finish the game, uh, one to necessarily take it out of the defense hand. Obviously, going back to last week, we could have finished, and we could have finished in the red zone with the touchdowns, and we could have finished that game last week um, with the touchdown, right? Not settling for a field goal, so we put that on us this week and got the chance to go go out there and do that with um, what was it, three minutes or so or something like that on the clock, and uh, so it was just important just to relay that message, you know what I mean, and bring the guys back up and focus in on that, and we did. We win and, and lose as a team, and unfortunately, you know, I, did, I didn't play as well today, and, and we turned the ball over and had some penalties. Um, there are a lot of things to clean up, and, and we didn't play the ball we needed to to win today. Well, look, uh, the run game, obviously a core principle of the Dallas Cowboys philosophy on offense. How did they rediscover it in this one, DJ? Well, I'll tell you what, Zach Martin reminded everybody how good he is <laughs> because when you look at their explosive runs, the majority of them yeah. came right behind Zach Martin. So getting him back in the mix I thought was huge. I thought they ran with some tempo. I thought they kind of tried to tire the Chargers out a little bit, slow that pass rush down, and then they got them on their heels, Buck, and they are able to capture the edge. They are able to capture that corner consistently. Pollard was outstanding for, you know, for Ezekiel Elliott, all the reputation, all the money he's earned. Pollard gives this run game a little different look, a little more a little juice. More juice yeah. yeah, a little more juice, but I think what you want in the run in the backfield is a little diversity. You got the power back in Ezekiel Elliott, you got the speed back in Tony. And Pollard. mix in CeeDee Lamb that we just right. saw there as well. Right. And when you mix all of that together, it makes them a very, very formidable squad. I think this was a big win for Dallas because it showed them that they can get back to that old school power running style. And it was almost 50-50. I thought it was a huge win for them. And, Bucky, on the defensive side of the ball, what did you see from uh, Dan Quinn's unit here this uh, week? What I like about Dan Quinn and what he's done is he's really maximized the talents. They moved Michael Parsons to defensive end. And Michael Parsons was a five-star defensive end in high school. They put him back in a position on Thursday, have him kind of turn the crank and go. And he had tremendous success creating pressures. And what I think about this, I think about in training camp, going up to Oxnard and watching the Cowboys practice. And every day at the end of practice, Dan Quinn spending – 10 minutes with Michael Parsons, taking him through some edge rush drills. All of that preparation and work paid off 
because Micah Parsons was able to hit the ground running as a defensive end. And they found that matchup. Storm Norton filling in for Brian Balaga at yep. right tackle. They matched up 16 times in this game. Parsons had four pressures and a sack. So yeah. he got the better of that individual matchup. And I also had Diggs. Had a big-time game in coverage as well. Those are the two difference makers for the Cowboys. Yeah, think about that. It's Look, it's all about finding the matchups, right? I mean, you saw the Cowboys yeah. behind Zach Martin on the right side really find something they love in the run game. And then clearly Dallas on yes. defense found, you know, their Waldo, right? They found Storm Norton there. You know <laughs> I, I, mean? I would add, though, in that game and calling that game, the Chargers moved the ball up and down yeah. the field. They just couldn't finish. And well, that's what it was. Mistakes. mistakes. It's yes. the, it was the two interceptions, another interception in the red yeah. zone, even though, what, Keenan Allen fell down on that play. Yeah, right? yeah. forced it in the middle of the field. Field, yeah, but still, and then you had two touchdowns called back due to penalties. 12 penalties, 99 yards for the Chargers. I mean, that was that was a huge piece of this game. Yeah, huge piece. They yeah. clean that part up. Yeah. Four teams is really talented. You just need to clean that part up. Connecting the first game to the second game, next week, Chargers go on the road to Kansas City. Woo. Two teams coming off of painful losses. That's going to be a big one. Yeah, no question. All right, let's move on to the third game here of our big three, and that's going to be the Steelers and the Raiders, another AFC West team. Uh, the Raiders going across the country after a dramatic win on Monday night. Short week, big road trip, no Josh Jacobs, and eh, no problem for the Raiders. Going to Pittsburgh, shut down the Steelers. Derek Carr, another terrific day, 382 yards and two touchdowns through the air in the 26-17 to 17 win. And DJ, Derek Carr, I mean, has started Ooh. off this season very hot. What are the Raiders doing on offense uh, with Derek Carr that's working right now? Well, sometimes you can think of the, the most complex offense, and other times you're running plays that you ran in grade school, and that's what we saw with the Raiders, really just stretching the field vertically. Oh, yeah. And I know Al Davis would have loved this goes, game plan baby. because you're talking about four verts and five verts. Look, you have to like that. You have to like the way they were able to be able to get it done. I like the passing game. I like the things that they were doing. Very creative, very aggressive. You like that. Well, and who was doing it I think is important. Henry Ruggs, five catches over 100 yards and a touchdown that helped seal this game for the Raiders' deep ball. That's, what you, that's why you made Henry Ruggs the first wide receiver drafted two years ago and then like even go back on the defensive side of the ball second round pick Mike Mayock's first second round Mm. pick Trayvon Mullen a couple of years ago interception he's a a nice player in run support here as well I think he had six tackles in this game so um, you're finally starting to see some of these draft picks that we talked about had to have bigger impacts start to show up a little bit here, Buck. Yeah, we are starting to see that. And one of the reasons why we're beginning to see those young guys show up is because on defense, Gus Bradley has these guys playing. He hasn't played because he simplified yeah. everything. When you think about Gus Bradley's defense and Rob Marinelli being the D-line coach, it's about effort, it's about energy, it's about urgency. And they're playing with that. When you take out all of the complexities of the defense and allow these guys to be the they athletes play. that they are, you begin to see guys make plays. The Raiders' defense has made plays against two really good teams, the Baltimore Ravens and then the Pittsburgh Steelers. It might be time to consider them a real team. When I think of, look, the best formula in the National Football League is to find a way to create explosive plays offensively and find ways to limit explosive plays defensively. And I think the Raiders have done a nice job. Gus Bradley with that defense, keeping the ball in front of you. And, Rhett, you mentioned Henry Ruggs. When you pair up Ruggs and Waller, I I dare you find a faster wide receiver tight end combo. combo (laughs) The only one I can even think of is in the division with Denver. Uh, where, where, where they've got Fan, who's 4-4, Hamler, four, Hamler yes. who can fly. So uh, this division in yeah. the AFC West is going to be fun. One thing to watch for the Steelers is we love what Najee Harris can do. I mean, yeah. the stiff arm on Jonathan Abram. <laughs> Unbelievable, right? And he's been really good in the pass game. I think he had another five catches, over 40 yards, and a touchdown this week. 
still just 10 carries. I think what uh, overall he's, he's averaging under four yards yeah, a carry on offense. He's got 80-something yards in, in two games. In the run game. So it's like, yeah, it's great to have a, you know, a marquee back, but got to get the guys up front moving, you know, in, uh, in synchronized up there to kind of create some lanes. Solomon Thomas, two Pittsburgh sacks, field. by the way, for That's the That's an interesting development. That, yeah. That's, That's a follow. really good development because he's kind of been off the radar. Yeah. shows back up with the Ra- Vegas Raiders and makes big plays. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Dolphins were in trouble from the jump against Buffalo, especially after Tua Tungavailoa exited in the first quarter with bruised ribs here on that hit from A.J. Epinesa. Tom Pelissero reporting today, x-rays negative, and his availability next week will hinge on pain tolerance and functionality. Jacoby Brissett on for Tua in relief, unable to lead the Finns on a single scoring drive. Rams-Colts late fourth quarter with the game tied at 24. Carson Wentz forced out with what our Ian Rappaport is now reporting as sprains to both ankles. After Rams field goal put them up 27-24, second-year quarterback Jacob Eason coming on for Wentz and had his second career pass attempt intercepted by Jalen Ramsey to end the Colts' best shot at a comeback. And tied at 14 with the Browns, late first half, Texans quarterback Tyrod Taylor scrambling out to his left, sustaining a hamstring injury. Rookie Davis Mills would take over in the second half through an interception on his second drive, but also found Brandon Cooks for his first career touchdown in the loss, 31-21 to the Browns in Cleveland. And starting right there with the Houston Texans here, guys, Rhett Lewis, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, uh, back here with you from our new uh, studios here in L.A. And for the Texans, with Deshaun Watson being inactive, not practicing once the season has started here, they're committed to a 52-man roster, essentially. But now, I asked James Palmer this question on the NFL Inside Report podcast this past week. What happens if Tyrod Taylor gets hurt? Like, is there a shot you're going to ask Deshaun Watson to be a backup? <laughs> I, I don't see it. I, I, to me, I, you're right. You know, you're going from 53 yeah. to 52, maybe to 51. Not 51. A 51. But, no, I mean, this is not – it's not we're down on Deshaun Watson and then yeah. you know, we kind of go through the list and then it's his turn. It's an in or out proposition. Right. And right now he's out. Like, he is not part of their plans. You might as well, if you're a coach, pretend like he does not exist. That is not an option because, Bucky, the only thing – that would it's a it's a tough situation mm-hmm. but you want to make something awkward as if you now were to go to Watson because that would hey, immediately beg the question <laughs> hey, of what you. the heck have we been waiting for right. you're either right. okay with him playing for your team or you're not okay it doesn't matter who's hurt in front of him no, this is a very confusing situation for me because if you have a quarterback that you're paying a ton of money to and he is available and he is able to play in most cases is you play him and I understand all the legal ramifications and those things however they elected to keep him and not trade him away. And so now they're just not getting anything from him. I believe if he's obviously the best player at that position, and when you talk to Coach Adair, they talk about the special things that he's able to do. To me, if I'm the Houston Texans, I play him or I get him out the building, but I can't have him occupying a spot and us getting any, nothing from him. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you're saying, you know, and a lot of people are saying this, just trade him, just, just kind of rip the Band-Aid off, move on, yeah. go in a different direction. You have the chance, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance with this type of an asset to get as big of a return as you could possibly hope for. You only get one shot at it. So 
His value is not maximized right now with all of these legal things hanging over him. Once that is all completed, and in my opinion, once the season's over and I know who picks where, that's where I can absolutely maximize the trade for Deshaun Watson because what they get from that trade is going to determine this organization. The trajectory the of the, of the franchise, yeah. So while it might be convenient to do it now, you can't. You can't do that right now. Yeah, and uh, head coach David Culley saying today that Deshaun Watson will, in fact, be inactive for Thursday night football, even if Tyrod Taylor cannot play. So Davis Mills, um, who would be the first man up uh, if Tyrod can't go, becomes your starter. And then Jeff Driscoll, who's on the practice squad, I imagine would be elevated to become the backup quarterback, which means then you have a 51-man roster. Yeah. Which, yeah I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just mind, it's mind-blowing. And so yeah. when you think about the quarterback position being the most important position, the fact that they haven't put together a fail-safe plan for if Deshaun Watson is not going to be, if Tyrod Taylor is here, what happens it's just disappointing yeah. because you like to think when you get in that position, you're able to build your team. You try and dot the I's and cross the T's. And so I'm going to talk to Ian Rappaport today on uh, our new edition of the NFL Inside Report by, by pod. The, okay, I'm at two plugs for yeah, that Yeah, two plugs coming right up. Two yeah. plugs Over in. under four and a half there. Well, this is podcast plugs. synergy yeah. here. This is what we're doing uh, <laughs> on, on this Move the Sticks Monday. So, yeah, that's coming out later today. Going to talk to Ian on that quarterback situation in Houston, also in Indianapolis where Carson Wentz's status is once again up in the air. So, we're kind of seeing two young quarterbacks maybe get their shots here with Davis Mills and with Jacob Eason if Carson Wentz can't go this week. So what were, the, what were the profiles on those two quarterbacks coming into the draft and what might we see here when they get on the field? Yeah, sure. Davis Mills is really interesting coming out of Stanford. Didn't play a lot of football. There right. Not a lot of starts. People Ten were games. surprised he came out. Uh, but what he was is somebody that was very efficient, very accurate. I thought he was extremely tough to be able to hang in the pocket at Stanford. Uh, made some big-time throws under duress. The one thing he can't really do or he didn't do at Stanford was what you're seeing right here, which was extend plays and make things happen. He showed up at the pro day, remember, Buck? Mm -hmm. And he had the knee brace was gone. And he moved around much better. Yeah. So I'm hopeful we're going to see a more athletic version of Davis Mills. And then when you get to Jacob Eason, this is old-school, pure pocket passer, huge. I mean, big enormous guy, yeah. guy with a howitzer, big-time arm, be able to push the ball vertically down the field, touch anticipation. Those were the knocks on him coming out of college. Those are the knocks on him. And typically, when you have a strong-arm passer like Eason, what you want to do is you want to run, you want to play action, you want to push the ball Shot down plays. the field. Shot plays. If you're going to go through all of the stuff that you need to do to have a successful passer play, I want a big return on the investment. Jacob Eason gives them the opportunity to do that, but what they have to do is – Everybody else around him has to play better. The offensive line, they got to be able to run the football. they got to be able to make plays on the outside. If the supporting cast, if they're able to raise their level of performance, I would think Jacob Easton is able to play and just kind of steady the ship. Yeah, that's definitely a piece of the puzzle here for the Colts. But you got to give uh, Jacob Easton a little credit. Wasn't afraid to go after Jalen Ramsey on his uh, <laughs> throw in his direction on his second pass attempt, looking for J uh, Jack Doyle on that corner route. Uh, just overthrew him there a little bit. But look, that's a tough situation. You're yeah. down three points. Game is on the line. Yeah. Your first NFL snaps. Uh, and then uh, Easton and the Colts fall uh, now to 0-2 after that loss to the L.A. Rams. Our Elite Eight segment focusing on kind of eight different topics under one umbrella theme. And the theme today really is questions. So, DJ, you've got our first question that involves the Broncos. 
Yeah, I mean, look, I'm looking at this Broncos team and I'm wondering, is this Broncos team legit? And I think absolutely they are. When you look at this roster, I will stack this roster up against just about anybody. They are loaded with talent. You look at the playmakers they have on offense. They've got two backs with Javante Williams uh, joining Melvin Gordon. You look at the bevy of receivers that they have. You see Noah Fant, one of the more athletic tight ends. You flip it over to defense, you know Vic Fangio is going to have a great defensive squad. The scheme is sound. He's got pass rushers. Patrick Sertan has stepped up and made big plays. Saw him with a pick in the game yesterday coming out of Alabama. Uh, But, Buck, to me, the biggest reason why they're legit is because of the guy delivering the pill right there in Teddy Bridgewater. They have been an efficient quarterback away from being really good. And to be honest with you, he's been much better than just an efficient quarterback through two weeks. He has absolutely been outstanding. When you look at the way he's been able to get the ball in and out to the playmakers, nine different receivers had receptions. You love to see that. And so I like the Broncos. I like how they're trending. By the way, by the way, before we continue, Obviously, you believe the Broncos are legit because... Oh, because yes, family connection. Look. My wife, a, a Colorado... Um, yeah. Yes, yeah, from Colorado and big Broncos Actually, fan. you can't see it on the screen, but it says Mecklenburg on the back <laughs> of his shirt. So, does, yeah. does. Rick Upshur. Hey, but by the way, I, have a, I mean, credit to the Broncos defense again for doing this these first two weeks, mostly without the services of Bradley Chubb, a re-aggravated kind of a nagging injury in this game. So once they get him back, man, yep. they're going to be rolling. All right, Bucky, you've got our second question and answer. Okay, so which version of the Saints offense are we going to see going forward my big problem with the Saints I just don't know what I'm going to get and even in the first week Jameis Winston had five touchdowns and the offense looked solid because the defense played lights out but against the Panthers the Panthers has suffocated the offense we're talking about a team that only had 128 total yards of offense that's unacceptable especially from a team that Sean Payton is directing and I understand that there were some COVID issues you did you were without maybe seven or eight assistant coaches But even with Sean Payton on the sideline, you expect to see more production. I'm worried about this offense because back-to-back weeks, we haven't seen a lot of big-time yardage production. Yeah, the yards have not come. Uh, the turnovers showed up for Jameis. Alvin Kamara virtually non-existent. the lowest rushing yard total in his career. But, I mean, look, I'll say this. No team has dealt with more adversity through these first couple of weeks than the Saints preparing for all this stuff on the road without a ton of starters in this game, including Eric McCoy at center, which kind of showed up a little bit, it felt like, in this game, too. Uh, All right, I've got a question uh, and an answer, I hope. Uh, The (laughs) question... I'm confident in the uh, question part, but go ahead. Yes. Are the Cardinals now the most explosive offense in the NFC? Boy, Kyler Murray seems to think so. Another 400-yard passing performance. Had a couple of turnovers in this game that I'm sure they'd love to clean up. But, man, he is finding all of his weapons. This was a huge play to Max Williams there. Found DeAndre Hopkins in the end zone early, and they went score for score with the Vikings, uh, who came out with their tails on fire in this game. Uh, Rondell Moore, second-round pick this year out of Purdue, has proven as explosive as we <laughs> – look at look at Kyler. A little zen moment in the end zone right there. Uh, but Rondell Moore has added to this receiving core. You get Christian Kirk, who was involved in week one, too. And then you've got another – A.J. Green finds his way into yeah. the end zone here. Man, it's kind of all starting to come together on offense. Defense, they gave up a ton of the points. But, man, you got to feel good if you're Cliff Kingsbury's unit right now. Oh, you absolutely have to feel good because we're seeing that this is a league where you have to score points to be able to win. And the one thing the Cardinals can do is they can score points. You like what the receivers are doing on the outside. DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green. Uh, You talked about Rondell Moore making plays. So I I guess the answer is yes. Yeah. They are in the NFC? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you look at what <laughs> Seattle can do, you look at the Rams with Stafford. I mean, this division 
is going to be Nine total be touchdowns for the Kyler The Niners right got now. some work to do offensively to, yes. to be able to keep pace with some of these explosive teams we're going to see. All right, Bucky, coming back to you with the Bucks. Oh, it's all about Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. Is this sustainable for a full season? When I look at this, I'm going to say yes, because Tom Brady defies all the notions of father time, catching up with him and those things. He is on fire. He has that synergy and connection. When you watch these guys play, I think what we're getting is what we thought we were going to see last year. All the weapons on the outside now are coming together. So each and every week, it's spin the wheel. Who's going to hurt you? Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski. They have too much for most teams. That's why this is sustainable because Rob Gronkowski is always going to be available for Tom Brady. And Gronk's never had all those other pieces around him before. You know, he's always been such a great player, but he was always the focal point there in New England. And now as a defense, like he's probably that – second, third guy that you're thinking about as a defensive coordinator because of, of Mike Evans and Godwin. So, yeah, I think that is sustainable. I, I want to go back, though, back to the NFC West, talk about the Niners because mm. you look at the injuries that they have stacked up at one position, the running back position. So the question I have is, are you concerned about their run game? It didn't really get right. rolling against the Philadelphia Eagles, and my answer is no. Uh, I'm I'm not You're concerned. Not. Okay, great. And I'll tell you what, it's not because they have some running back that's going to come up from the practice squad you've never heard of. It's because Trey Lance – can add to this running game. Didn't see him in this game against Philadelphia. I think that was weird. I, I know we saw him dabble a little bit uh, with him last week. I think he has to be a part of their plan going forward. He doesn't need to play 30 snaps, Buck, but you get Trey Lance out there for 10 or 12 plays, you'll see this running game get juiced up a little bit. And it doesn't necessarily have to be him carrying the ball. It's just his presence you got to count for him. Well, okay, I'm going to say this. It, it reminds me a little bit of Baltimore when we were worried about the Ravens running attack. Yeah. Trey Lance isn't Lamar Jackson, but the running quarterback creates opportunities for the other yeah. guys. It's a little. I, I, I don't think we're going to see Jimmy Garoppolo with 11 rushing attempts I know. Um, in the future <laughs> for 20 yards. I know a couple of those are on QB sneaks, but I don't think that's going to happen. So Jamichael Hasty was injured. Eli Mitchell was in and out of the lineup there. Yeah, it just wasn't an efficient game uh, through on the ground there. So on the other, on the flip side of that contest, the Philadelphia Eagles. Well, I guess they found out that the uh, San Francisco 49ers defense is far superior than the Atlanta Falcons defense. So will the Eagles (laughs) offense uh, be consistent enough to compete in the NFC East? I think no right now is the answer. I guess that could change moving forward, but right now I feel like the answer is no. Um, and, and look, outside of this long completion to Quez Watkins that went for 91 yards, look, you love that. That's a really nice, uh, well-placed ball by Jalen Hurts deep in your own end zone to get out of there. But then they aren't able to get six points after that. You know, like that kind of is, is the epitome of what we're saying here with this lack of consistency. Felt like the Niners made things a little bit more difficult for Jalen Hurts, clouded the picture a little bit, had a little bit, di- a little bit of difficulty getting past that first read when it wasn't there. And look, outside of that 91-yard connection and another 26-yard pass, he threw for 73 yards in this game. So they found the going much tougher. And, and Nick Sirianni admitted it, didn't call good plays, good enough plays in this game. Uh, they've got to be better, but right now I would say they are not consistent enough to compete in the NFC East. Yeah, more consistency. We saw Jalen Hurts use his legs, had 80 yards rushing on the ground, but you want to see more in the passing game. So they have to work on that. Speaking of consistency, I want to see if the Titans' offense can be consistent. Do you want to talk about Jekyll Consistently high. great because <laughs> they were hot and on fire against the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday, and part of the reason is because the weapons that they have available. When I look at this offense, it starts with the King. King Henry there doing his deal. You talking about someone who has 10 games with over 150 yards, two touchdowns? He is able to do it. But Julio Jones on the outside also being a key contributor, 100-yard gain for Julio Jones. You have A.J. Brown still being available. So now when I look at this offense and the weaponry, Todd Downing, 
the offensive coordinator, who only had his second game calling plays for the Titans, he has a lot at his disposal. He just needs to find his rhythm and how to keep all the miles fed. Yeah, I think what we're kind of going through this exercise, it's showing us is that a lot of these things are going to be TBD because we've seen different versions yeah. of the same team through two weeks. Week I'm going to give you fun. one more example <laughs> of that because my next question is, is, is this what we can expect of the Buffalo Bills? I mean, this is a 35 nothing thrashing of the Miami Dolphins. Is this really who the Bills are? This is what we saw last year. Uh, and I, I will say this, this Bills team, I think, is going to be even better than what we saw last year because of what you're seeing here. Their ability to heat up the quarterback. Yeah. They got after it up front in this game. Greg Rousseau had two sacks. I think that's six as a team. Yeah. Josh Allen wasn't Josh Allen Superman in this game. He didn't have to be, and it was a blowout. So not only do I think the Bills are getting back to 2020 form, I think you're going to see a better version than we even saw in 2020. Yeah, so the Dolphins mustered just 216 total yards in this game. And the thing that I'm encouraged by if I'm the Bills is while the passing game with Josh Allen has kind of struggled to find its rhythm from a year ago, they've gotten some, some better yeah, performance did. on the run game. Devin yeah. Singletary, 46-yard explosive play touchdown to open the scoring for Buffalo. Zach Moss into the end zone uh, for a pair of scores on the ground. That feels like an element of their offense last year that we did not see week in and week out. So a couple of things, a couple of good positives uh, for the Bills there as uh, they get their first win of the season. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Trevor Lawrence, again, finding the going tough here in his second career game. This against the Broncos, getting picked off twice. So that's five interceptions in two games for Lawrence. An offense looked absolutely out of sync. Just 14 of 33. Just over 100 yards, 37 passer rating. And boy, Zach Wilson, mama told me there'd be days like this for a rookie quarterback. Three interceptions in the first half. Added another in the second half in this 25 to 6 loss to the Patriots. Passer rating. Uh, 0.2 lower than Trevor Lawrence, mm. 37. So rough couple of days here, rough couple of games for the first and second overall picks in the draft. As for Mac Jones, man, efficient. Once again, 22 of 30, not a ton of production again, even less than last week, actually, 186 yards through the air. But again, operating within the confines of the Patriots offense, they get a win capitalizing on those turnovers, 25 to six over the Jets. And because of an Andy Dalton knee injury, Justin Fields making, uh, well, not his debut. He certainly played in week one, but the most extended action we've seen for him at quarterback was picked off here by Logan Wilson of the Bengals, completed just six of his 13 passes. Again, coming on in relief of Dalton, found uh, the going tough, but the Bears are able to hold off the Bengals for the win. And well, look, Trevor, Zach, you guys are in That's some a good, good company. <laughs> that is a good list. Peyton Manning, six interceptions in his first two NFL games. He's now in the Hall of Fame. I think he ended up with like 30 in his rookie year. Uh, Matthew Stafford had five picks in his first couple of games as well. So, look, they will be able to figure this thing out. But it is time for our rookie report card segment here on Move the Sticks Monday. And, Bucky, let's start with the number one overall pick. You're going to be on Trevor Lawrence all season long here for us. 
What did you see here against the Broncos? I'm going to give him a D, and I'm going to give him a D for his efforts because he was really all over the place. Trevor Lawrence was trying to do too much. And when we talk about trying to do too much, trying to put all of the responsibilities of playmaking on his shoulders as opposed to relying on his teammates to be able to make plays. Now, part of that is his teammates haven't been good enough for him, and that has really stunted his growth in terms of being able to do it. The other thing, Urban Meyer said in the post-game presser that he wanted Trevor Lawrence to learn how to play NFL quarterback. So they didn't put a lot of Clemson concepts in the Clemson playbook in the game plan. And so he is trying to learn how to do all NFL stuff on the fly against Tough defenses, and we're seeing the struggles come because Trevor Lawrence is in unfamiliar territory. As a result, he is struggling right now. One thing it also reminds you is you earn the number one pick uh, by being a really <laughs> bad football team. Yeah. Is, there a, is there a solve for this Jaguars offense before we move on here? How do we make it more uh, Not based off what Bucky just said, because yeah. to me the solve is you go back and make him comfortable doing things he yes. did in college. And, you know, when, and you saw that in the preseason, we got a chance to watch it. They did some of that yeah. stuff, bubble screens, bootlegs, play action. Now he just played a straight drop back game. That is not his game. And so we'll see how long they continue to stay on that path. I worry about them losing him in terms of his game and his confidence. Let's move on to Zach Wilson. And, look, he had a, he had a rough start in week one but was able to kind of bounce back. Boy, it's hard to bounce back from three early first-half interceptions. What did you see from the second pick? I, I like to think of myself as a fair grader, <laughs> not overly <laughs> negative or positive. I don't know how you give anything other than an F. Right. You, you throw four picks. I mean, to me, the decision-making was a major question mark. The, the positive sign is you do see some flashes. He made a couple throws where he escaped and made some big-time throws. Uh, I know, I, I guess his velocity readings this week were as high as anybody in the NFL. He's got a huge arm. There's a lot to work with. But, I mean, this, is, this has happened in the NFL before where you have four interceptions 75 times since 2012. Teams are four and 71. Yeah. Mm. So that equates to 5.3% chance of winning a football game when you turn it over. So that's why you get the grade that you get. Um, but, again, I'm anxious to see this week, Buck, coming off of the adversity he faced this week, what do we see from Zach Wilson next week is going to tell me a lot about him. Well, I want to know because Zach Wilson is, t- is texting me. And he wants to know, do you have office hours? He wants to know if he can make <laughs> come up in. the grade, if he can yeah, come, come in and in. talk to you. Maybe he can get that don't, up to open a Open door policy? Oh, right? come on in. Yeah. Come on in. Yeah. Uh, but they got to find a way to get the hands in the in, in get the ball in the hands of some of their playmakers uh, there. With they the had test. a couple drops, too. There yeah. was a couple drops. Corey did one of those, one yeah. of those interceptions kind of went through Corey Davis's hands a little You're going to jump in on here? Get your grade book out? Let's go. I'm going to open up my grade book with my red pen and hand out Mac Jones, who I think we gave an A to week one, slightly lower this week. I didn't think this was a bad week for Mac Jones, just it wasn't as good as week one. I'm going to end up giving him a B. And here's what we like about Mac Jones. Same things we said about him last week and we said about him coming uh, into the draft. From pre-snap to snap to execution, man, as quick and efficient as there is. And again, operated smooth within the framework of the Patriots offense. Had one of these gadget plays, which was great. I mean, Josh McDaniels always pulls out one of those uh, in a game. But there was a particular play on a second down or third down in the second quarter uh, right there to Jacoby Myers. You see it pre-snap. He knows what he's, he knows what's he, what he's getting. He sees the coverage. He makes some, some audibles, lets the receivers know what's going on, and then he IDs it and then executes a perfectly dropped uh, 
deep ball to Jacoby Myers. And it's like, all right, he's putting it all together. The thing he struggled with here was pressure. They really missed Trent Brown at right tackle. Mm -hmm. I think they had uh, Heron and Durant in there alternating at right tackle. He was getting pressure off the right side almost immediately throughout this game and kind of struggled. That's where some of his errant throws went. Took some snacks that maybe he didn't have to here, DJ. Yeah, no doubt. And again, though, he's playing an efficient brand of football. Yeah, the Patriots that's want. winning football right now. Uh, we do have another uh, rookie. Let's get to it. About here because Justin Fields, we saw him get some action uh, with the injury to Andy Dalton. So when I went back and watched that tape, I penciled in a B minus as my grade for Justin Fields. And look, one thing, that ball is live. It jumps out of his hand. He can really drive the football. If not for some drops, I put the exclamation point on there because if he has a couple of those balls caught, this day would look much better, and he probably ends up with a higher grade. The negative buck is something we talked about a lot in the run-up to the mm -hmm. draft. There's times he's just got to speed it up a little bit, holding the ball, taking some sacks, uh, just be a little bit more urgent with your decision-making. Yeah, you want to feel play faster next week if he gets an opportunity to start because – Nagy will have an opportunity to build a game plan around what Fields does and does really well. And so maybe they'll be more aggressive with some of the quick underneath throws. But, yes, he's a solid player. B- is credible. I'll take that. No need to knock oh, my, off his my, door. Hey, my, my, my report cards were littered with C-pluses and B-minuses, man. <laughs> yeah, and look, this is not how Bears fans, I think, wanted to see Justin Fields. Nobody will see Andy Dalton go down with an injury. And Matt Nagy saying he's not sure. They avoided a major injury. It's not structural damage with the ACL, the MCL. So they're going to find out what Andy Dalton is going to be available for going into this week. But it was kind of odd. Like, he wouldn't commit. But to he did what afterwards. After the press conference, the PR person for the Bears came out and said, if healthy, Andy Dalton is a okay. starter. There you go. So we cleared it all up. He did. Yeah, he was worried about divulging who would start because yeah. it was like a scheme issue. I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna continue. Steve, hopefully we can give Andy we can give Justin Fields another grade uh, here moving forward. Looking at the Panthers' defense since Matt Rule has taken over, you go back to 2021. Yeah, they gave up over 20, 25 points a game, but man, look at the strides they are making now through two weeks this year. They have cut their total yardage allowed basically in half. Uh, less than half on the, uh, or more than half on the points per game, averaging just over, uh, giving up 10 points a game. A terrific work right now on defense. Phil Snow, defensive coordinator, Matt Rule. Really nice kind of organizational synergy, it feels like, with this Panthers defense who famously committed to all defense in Matt Rule's first draft as the head coach uh, back in 2020. And then this year, uh, get J.C. Horn with the first pick. D.J., how are you kind of marrying the results on defense to what they were going for in building the defense? Well, I'm, I'm going to go back in time. When Matt Rule first got to Baylor, I went and spoke to their football team and spent some time in his office, and he talked about his vision. He said, look, I've gone out and recruited a bunch of track athletes. I, I, I care about their times. I've got a fast football team. We're not a good football team yet, but we're fast, and we believe in ourselves as teachers and developers that we're going to be able to get the best out of these guys. But speed was non-negotiable, Buck. They were going to be fast, and they were going to play fast. And I think we've seen over a couple drafts now, this team is fast and explosive, and they are smothering on the defensive side of the ball. They are smothering on the defensive side of the ball. And, DJ, you talked about it. We had an opportunity to talk to Matt Rule on the Moodle 6 podcast uh, a couple falls ago, and he talked about toughness. And that was also a non-negotiable tactic, that he wanted people that were tough. He wanted a physical team that was fast. And what you're seeing is when you put those two elements together, speed with toughness and physicality, you begin to get turnovers, you begin to impose your will on opponents, and they're doing it. And then the last thing, you talked about developers. 
coaches that can develop their talent. They are developing all these young guys. 24 first and second year players on the active roster. Phil Snow coming over as a former college defensive coordinator understands how to teach those young guys to make it digestible and they're putting it up, putting it in play on the grass. And they play hard. I mean, that's the yeah. last thing I would add. Their effort is outstanding. Yeah, and we've seen the speed all over the place on all three levels. And we love what Jeremy Chin does. I mean, how about both corners running 4-3, oh, right? Yeah. Low 4-3. Dante Jackson, J.C. Horn. Obviously saw J.C. Horn with that interception. Burns, 4-5s coming off the edge. And Hassan Reddick, one yeah, of the best yes. free agent acquisitions, too, right? Coming over from the Cardinals. Matt Rule, certainly familiar from their time together at Temple. Bit of a clock situation here for the Dallas Cowboys late game, trying to get in position for that uh, Greg Zerline uh, game-winning field goal. You had this uh, third and three here, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. They end up calling the timeout at a personnel issue. Mike McCarthy is saying that he's never had a clock go off the board on me like that, was trying to, I guess the clock he was looking at inside SoFi Stadium disappeared, and so didn't realize what the timing was. They had some personnel issues causing a whole ruckus of problems towards the end there. Bucky, what did you see? Oh, well, I, I just saw someone that didn't appear, they had a plan for yeah. two minutes, and it's, un, it's, it's unusual because when you watch them practice in training camp, they did situations day after day after day, but in this situation, it appeared like they panicked, they didn't know what they wanted to do, and to settle for a 56-yard field goal is not ideal when you have time to move it to closer. To run a play to get closer, right? And so right, that was Greg Zerline certainly bailed them out. They have to do a better job of managing the clock. I'll, I'll just add, that's the best kicking environment in the NFL at SoFi. I saw Butker make a 58-yarder to win a game last year. 56 almost feels like 46 inside that stadium. Oh, that's nice. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys fans uh, certainly were there. I mean, you heard that too, right? I mean, you had Cowboys fans. It was a great – it felt like yeah. a bowl game. 70,000 there. I mean, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I think sitting like close to here yesterday inside this office, like you could hear what was <laughs> going on over there. So thanks for being with us here on this Move the Sticks Monday. We're back with you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.